Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Max Winning in the Rain. Max Winning in the Rain. What a glorious feeling. The Dutch are happy again. That title supplied on Twitter by P.D. Jenkins. What a thrilling episode of Formula One that was. How's your Sunday, guys? Did you enjoy it? I did. Uh, Maybe I enjoyed Saturday more than Sunday from a fan point of view, but it was great to watch. I hope you enjoyed the F1 weekend and I hope you're ready to strap in for 60 minutes of the Missed Apex podcast review of the Grazzi Regazzi San Imola Grand Prix. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. Hello, Matt. Hey there. I'm sort of torn between making a joke about 60 minutes that just gets us through turn one on the first lap. Uh Or whose fault is it? And, and and going, thank goodness we didn't race it boring Imola, but exciting Emilia Romagna instead. I'm not sure which is better. What do you think? Just add a bit of water, isn't it? It's good. It's just like the movie Gremlins. Add a bit of water, spices everything up. Um, but last week, I made a lot of bold claims because obviously we are honest here about who we support. I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan, Sergio Perez fan. And last week, with that, I say last week, last race out with that great battle between Max and Lewis, I was saying all the way through and afterwards, I would have enjoyed it whoever had won. I just want to see a good race. Even if it's not the result I want, I would still enjoy it. Well, boy, was I tested today, Matt. Yeah, yeah, we we certainly have, we are certainly taking you at your word that you really would have been happy. I mean, I didn't. Seeing Lewis finish second to Max. I mean, I didn't enjoy it quite as much because the dog in the fight I had didn't do as well but yeah there was some fantastic racing there was some really good racing there was some intrigue uh, the show was spiced up a little bit and we've got loads and loads of topics that I know we disagree about so that's always a good thing that's always the best thing and yeah this race was not short on drama on and off track and occasionally even in a gravel pit 
We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. It's 1-1 in the Formula One match. We're also joined by our race analyst and suave debonair carter, Alex Jeansy Van Jean, sporting a new haircut. Hello, Alex. Yes, I can say. I, 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 when I was shaking my head to the intro music, my hair wasn't flopping around. It feels great. But no, I'm looking forward to um, reporting on this race where the fastest car won. So um, pretty oh, standard. Oh, you're setting your stall out. Okay, well, that's interesting because <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you. So, Matt, make sure we cover that and make sure we have an argument about who's got the fast car at the moment. We're also joined by Chris, Catman Turner, our quiz master, who wears glasses, but he's fine. Hi, Chris. <laughs> hey, Spanners. Quick quiz fact for you. When oh. was the last double British f- podium finish? Oh, that's interesting. I guess we've got to go back to Lewis and Jensen Button. Yep, China 2012. Wow, it's it's been a while. Us poor Brits starved for F1 driver talent. I think we've we've had our fair share we have all right let's go on to the race review thing all right matt had this been a more boring race weekend i think we would have dwelled on a lot of interesting things around the pre-race and the practices and the qualifying session given that the race was action-packed uh we'll just gloss over that a little bit we'll talk about the ocon and perez incident in practice during Whose fault is this? Which is a segment where we assign blame. We have the opposite of a Mercedes no blame culture here. We have the culture from my marriage where even if the house was on fire, we'd have to stop and assign blame before we could then escape. So there's no such thing as a racing incident during Miss Apex podcast. There's no such thing as shared blame. We always have to see who we blame the most. Uh, Qualifying was fascinating, though, in that of note, Max Verstappen won qualifying his qualifying teammate battle last season, 17-0 against Alex Albon. And Perez has already toppled that. So that proves everything, Matt. Well, if we go back just a little bit further, we find that Albon did indeed beat Max once. Uh, it was in 2019, though. And if I'm good, I see Gene Z already wanting to shake his head, but I'm just going to go ahead and qualify that by saying that was, that was, I think, in Italy when Verstappen's engine went pop. And he didn't put in a time. And in fact, <laughs> Gasly was the one who beat him before that. But that was another one where he didn't actually wind up getting his full set of laps in. And you really have to go back to Ricardo to find a teammate who just like properly beat him like a gong in a qualifying. And even there, I think Ricardo was the short end of the stick across the whole season. OK, but even with my Perez Fossi glasses on, that was a Verstappen mistake as much as a Sergio Perez great performance. That doesn't take away from uh, Sergio's... Sergio, like he's my mate, from Checo's performance. Um, however, had Verstappen nailed that, I still feel like he had the overall pole lap potential. I would agree with that. And my favorite comment was from Max himself saying, you know, Honda do make really great lawnmowers, but I think in this instance, my would have been better served by staying on track. Yeah, I think that incident, because basically what he's done, he's gone through turn one, uh, turn two, technically, turn two and three. He's gone through, he's come out, he's got a little bit late on the curb and gone wide. And then what he's had to do is compromise his en- exit, his compromise his entry for turn four. Um, and what that's done, I think that's probably cost him a tenth and a half, two tenths. 
Yeah, but at least Perez was there to to take over, if you like. I mean, that's what they've been missing the last couple of seasons. But it's all ifs and buts, though, isn't it, of course? So, you know, he made the mistake. That's the whole point of qualifying. It's on the edge, fast as you can go. Max made a mistake. That's That's on Max. I appreciate that, but one of the key criticisms I've had of Lewis Hamilton over the last four seasons, not so much this season, not so much last season, was that he used to be a little bit win or bin in qualifying. So whilst some of his teammates were putting in a safe lap and then going for it, he seemed to be going for two ultimate laps. And there was a lot of occasions with Rosberg, particularly, where he would just completely drop the ball in qualifying. And now that happens less and less. So it was interesting, Catman, I thought, to hear Verstappen going, well, I made a mistake, but it can't be perfect every time. And I kind of grimaced a little bit and went, well, you're in a title fight with Lewis Hamilton right now. And uh, he's gotten quite good uh, at making sure he gets the job done every time. Yep, you're up against the man who's got 99 pole positions. I think you need to start nailing qualifying. That being said, you know, Max is usually, as uh, Trumpets were saying, pretty decent at stringing a lap together. So I don't think he's got an awful lot to worry about. I think if it was last season, he'd be kicking himself more. But I think he knows he has a car under him that he can win with and can win off of the front row of the grid. So was maybe less bothered because he just knows he's got the pace. Last year, he wouldn't have had that pace to make that difference. And being on pole here last season would have been very important. Uh, what do we think about... Okay, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upset some people. How? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, for the first time ever. But what if that had been last season? We've seen those scenarios where Verstappen was with Albon and Albon last season, not only was he 17 nil down, he averaged, I think, 0.45 seconds off of Verstappen in qualifying, which is it's a huge golf. And if that had been the case in this race, Alex, then Albon, the, the hypothetical 2021 Albon, would have been behind Max anyway. And Max would have looked like he was wringing the life out of an undrivable car. And things would have looked really different. Whereas maybe now what we've just seen is, yeah, Max Verstappen is really quick, but he he blew qualifying. He could have been on pole. Yeah, I think last season it would have been one of the few opportunities he had to be on pole. And he would have kicked himself because if he'd have done that mistake last season, he'd have had a Bottas in front of him. And that would be basically any chance of the race probably gone for him. Um, so I think the the difference here was because he has that confidence of, well, the car's good, so I can make it up in the race. He was less bothered. And it's a long season. Oh, no, Matt, <laughs> turn and listen to that. Let's draw wild conclusions from two races, please. Yes, as we all know, two points of data are all we need to draw long-lasting conclusions about all sorts of people's performance. I agree. Uh, but that said, you know, we know for a fact, I, I think qualifying is just a bonus because after all, wasn't Perez brought in to be the ace in the race where Albon simply couldn't get the job done consistently. All right. And out of qualifying, the other thing I think Jeansy was, we've been wanting to see something spectacular from Lando Norris, been wondering if it's going to come. That that lap would have put him third, I think, the one that, that wasn't in the end. He was fabulous. I mean, we'll talk about more, we'll talk about him more later, no doubt, but he, he was absolutely fabulous and qualifying was electric, considering that Danny Rick was relatively quiet and annoyingly, Danny Rick actually beat him in qualifying because that lap got gone. But um, for Lando to show that the McLaren could potentially be a podium podium car all season is I know. a tantalising prospect for someone like me who's a big McLaren fan. It's delicious. 
It is. And there's the value spanners of having two um, really fast laps because his banker wasn't quick enough to beat Ricardo. So, you know, his his ultimate lap was P3, but his, his banker lap was P7 or 8. So, you know, you, if, if you're a Lewis type character who can put in two P1 laps, that's what you need. OK, but if you're at the very top end of the grid where, you know, you're going to even a even a qualifying lap that you blow is still going to be top four. So your margin of error is between like one and four. That's the margin I was talking about with Verstappen. So he blew his qualifying lap. He ended up third, Matt. If Verstappen wants to make races a little bit easier for himself, he wants to draw all the potential out of those cars and, and nail those poles. Uh, yeah, he does. But even given that, am I wrong in remembering from qualifying that the top three were all inside a tenth? Uh, I mean, you, it was just like, wow. Isn't Imola generally very close, though? So we have to sort of factor that in a little bit. You can... You can maybe double that to to see what it would have been like around Barcelona, maybe. I don't know. Someone will correct me. Let's move on to the race. All right, guys. Well, what we do here is we tend to kick off with the big ticket event. What was the thing everyone was arguing about, debating about, yelling at each other about, including in our patron Slack group, including in our panel whatsapp group earlier as well so emotions were running high over quite a few things me and matt kicked off at each other over the perez and ocon thing before qualifying had even started that got very very heated and then uh, and that was just that was just practice i'm sorry that was brad stirring the pot we had, <laughs> we had had our argument and we were quite done i just woke up and i was like oh dear what is going on here and and another thing right here we go again uh, we had some disagreement over the russell and bottas incident and of course there was a bashing of wheels between our two championship protagonists as well so if there is a really big ticket incident we tend to kick off with that and then we go into where the race was won and lost but since one of those big ticket items is fairly soon on the one and one and lost agenda i'm going to hand over to matt trumpets and say matt where was the race won and lost the race was absolutely won and i'm going to go with one in turn one at the start by time we get to the entrance to tamborello it was over max had hamilton dead to rights going into that turn and it was the only reason we even have a controversy in my opinion, is Hamilton was hoping beyond hope to just hold on to that position where he might have actually been able to get a better run down into Villeneuve or Tosa had he just backed out of it and stayed close to Max. We don't know because, of course, he kept kept his nose in Mm -hmm. there and wound up bouncing over the sausage curbs and was lucky not to damage his car more. Yeah, I agree. And or lose out to Perez behind. You remember we were saying the last few seasons, whenever Hamilton and Verstappen ended up wheel wheel to wheel, Hamilton was being very conservative and just going, well, it's Verstappen, it's Max, I'm going to give him a a wide berth. And we were like, yeah, that's fine and well, when he's not a championship rival. I wonder how that will play out when they are championship rivals. And uh, Alex, my goodness, uh, we got to see, didn't we? We really, really, really did. Um, Listen, it's that case. It's exactly as you say. When he wasn't a championship contender, yeah, let Max go. I'm not going to bother going wheel to wheel to him and affect my points tally. But he knows his fight this season is with Max. He doesn't care about anybody else. His fight is with Max. Um, and we'll cover the rest of it, I think, when we get into a one and lost. Yeah. So it's important to know that 
Verstappen chose to start in second gear. Wow. I want to add that. I did to not the know start that. Bit. Why? Yeah, he, he did. Uh, better traction. Okay, well, He's that's smart. Who's, whose call is that? Is that his team's call? Is that his call? I'd be certain that would be him talking to the race engineer, but it's going to be your engineer's mm. call. And they may have actually worked on that since rain has been predicted all week long. So the idea is you can get power down in first gear. You might lose a bit of traction and spin your wheels up and stay stationary. Second gear, you're getting all the power to the tarmac. That's correct. You don't, you risk, you don't lose anything if the wheels spin. And the other thing I want to point out about what we've been talking about real quick before we move on is that Hamilton's reaction is not just, oh, he's my championship rival, but he's my championship rival in a car that is the equal of, if not slightly better than the one I'm currently in. And that context changes everything. Of course it does. Um, you know, he's got to fight against this guy who is probably the hottest property in Formula One at the moment. He's aggressive. He's fast. He doesn't really make mis many mistakes. And Hamilton knows he's got a fight and Hamilton has finally got to turn the wick up that he's probably had turned down the last couple of years while trying to fight Bottas and he's gone right I've got a challenge let's yeah. turn that right up but the qu question I have for you Matt is obviously Max started in second gear that's normally a trick we see Lewis do do we know Lewis didn't do that or did Lewis do that as well do we know do we know that do we have an answer to that if he did it wasn't reported on and I haven't with all the all the time I spent looking at Russell on boards, I didn't have time to go back and look at the start from <laughs> Hamilton's point of view. Okay, brilliant. Well, let's get into the actual, the incident itself at turn one. Uh, Hamilton, side by side with Verstappen, who's got the better run, he's on the outside of a left-right chicane. Hamilton tries to hold on around the outside. Now, we've got a bit of history here. We've got a bit of previous. This is a little bit the immovable object facing the unstoppable object because both Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen have got massive, massive previous on pulling this kind of move. Any F1 driver out there should absolutely know that if you're on the outside of Max Verstappen, if you're out on the outside of Lewis Hamilton, you are going to get ushered onto the outside of the track in that situation. Now, Lewis Hamilton has previous doing that, Alex. He has done it to Rosberg at Canada. He, he did it in Cota, to name a couple. That is a signature Lewis Hamilton move. Verstappen has done that several occasions to Leclerc 17 times, I think. So for Hamilton to go, oh, he pushed me wide. So, no, Hamilton is not in a position to call foul on that. That is something he has done time and time again. So let's talk about rules. Um, my understanding of the rules is if somebody is more than has more than um, their wing alongside your rear wheel, you have to leave them space on the outside. Technically... Max should have left Lewis space. However, it's wet. It's lap one. There is no way Max is going to get any form of rebuttal for pulling that move off. Lewis, being the seven-time world champion that he is, should well know Max is not going to let him drive around the outside of him. Um, I wasn't surprised at all to see Max basically shove Lewis off the circuit because <laughs> yeah. he was never going to get done for it um because it's lap one because it's wet because you can just say yeah. oh it's a bit wet i just i had to straighten the wheel up so i, I think um, I, Alex, I think it was sorry. a bit naive yeah. i think it was a bit naive of lewis mm. to try and go around the outside of Max. i think it's a bit more simple than that um i think yes you have the rules and the rules talk about leaving racing space but i think if we look at it in like legalese terms i've seen enough i've seen enough courtroom dramas to know about presidents 
uh, and legal precedents. And, and the precedence has definitely been set that that move of ushering drivers out to the outside generally doesn't get penalised, Catman. That's not what I want. I think you should leave racing room. I think even if you've got a car halfway on the outside of you, I've been consistent with this. I've criticised Lewis Hamilton for doing this. You should leave racing room. You should be able to go through a left-right chicane too wide. And that should be the odds, yeah? You're on the uh, inside of one chicane. For the apex of the second chicane, you should know that there should be a car there and you race on that basis. However, F1 has never really enforced that. So there's no, there's no, it would have been bizarre if Max had suddenly got a penalty for doing something that everyone would go away with for decades. You'd gone, hey, what? They enforce it down the straight and in the corner entry but don't seem to enforce it at the corner exit. So you can absolutely shove someone off wide. Yeah, precedent all over the place. Yeah, um, You wouldn't do it at a missed apex casting event, but uh, at the Pinnacle of Motorsport, it seems to be uh, um, acceptable. Sorry, I just need to cover conversations in the chat saying um, Max was on the racing yeah, line. Yeah, I saw that, yes. <laughs> uh, un- unfortunately, the yeah. racing line doesn't matter when you are wheel-to-wheel. Yeah, true. Being on the yeah. racing line when you are wheel-to-wheel doesn't grant you access to the entire corner. If somebody is alongside you, the general rule is you have to leave them room. Being on the racing line is irrelevant. Not on corner exit. Not on corner exit. I'm not talking corner exit. Yeah, yeah. I'm not exactly. talking corner exit. I'm, corner talking, entry, I'm talking mid-corner. Entry and mid-corner doesn't matter. But, but Matt... loads of room mid-corner. Yeah, yeah. But Matt, I think there's... there's I, I know we're, we're, we're spending time talking about something that is sort of irrelevant but it's it's interesting because it's two of the the hardest races we've seen in formula one for a long time battling wheel to wheel it's exciting i don't think anything wrong happened it's just interesting to see how lewis fared on the on the receiving end of what he normally does what is a verstappen uh signature move as well and it will be interesting to see what would happen next time exactly oh sorry 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 matt exactly happened what I thought would happen when Lewis didn't back out. So what I want to say is that I agree with you. I think if Lewis was in Max's shoes, you would have seen the exact same thing. Yeah. Which is what I love about this battle is they're clearly going to, they're both clearly going to work every angle they can to get ahead and, and to be the victor at the end of the season. But I do think it's important to note that as a result of that, uh, Lewis did suffer some wing damage that was important later on. Uh, just to reference another chat room comment, loads of heated debate in the chat. Come and join us on YouTube by searching for Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe us, please, and click the little bell and it'll tell you whenever we go live. But generally, 8 p.m. UK time on a Sunday um, as a rule. Um, and Sam Samathos says, I hate the pushing out that drivers are allowed to do, but stewards are consistent at least. And I I think that sums it up. And although that's not the rules I want to see, that is what we should expect going forward. I'm, I'm a little bit upset as a Hamilton fan for Hamilton. Um, We're not used to seeing him making these kind of errors wheel to wheel, but um, obviously he's under a bit more pressure this season. If he'd have known the, the car advantage, maybe that he, he was going to have later on in the race or the pace that he was going to have later in the race, you would have just slotted him behind, surely, Matt. Yeah, I think if he had been confident he had the race pace on Verstappen, I don't think he would have defended quite as robustly. But the fact of the matter is neither he nor Max were entirely sure who had the race pace because uh, from Friday's practice, as I recall, I don't think Max got uh, a good a good run at, at race pace. 
How much of a mental advantage do you think Max now has in wheel-to-wheel combat oh, uh, yeah. going forward into the next races when he's you know able? You know, Lewis may think you know, going out the outside of Max next time round, go, oh, he might just shove me off. What do you think the effect that'll have next time out? It's like poker. Uh, you know, if someone's being really aggressive, betting high on low hands, the table initially goes, oh, wait, maybe this guy's just betting really high hands. At some point, if Max has got control of the poker table where people are scared to bet against him, they'll have to take action or lose hard and they'll get just whittled away and, and slow played down to zero chips. At some point, Lewis is going to have to say, do you know what? Uh, yep, you've you've bested me in a couple of those wheel-to-wheel battles. I'm going to have to, this time, leave my nose in. I'm going to have to not anticipate you pushing me off and driving over the curbs. Next time, I'm going to have to do what we were screaming at Nico Rosberg to do, which is hold the line and let Max hit you and then see what the stewards say. So where's the clash going to come? Barcelona? (laughs) Maybe, Alex. Um, I also think Lewis might have been a little bit frustrated because his first mistake had already happened, which was as he got off the line, he left Max a Red Bull-shaped, a Red Bull-sized gap on the inside of the circuit because he was too busy watching Perez and didn't check out didn't check Max coming through. All he had to do was move about a, a half a car width to the left. Max would never would have been there. All of a sudden, Max has appeared up the inside and Lewis has gone, I am not losing P1. If I'm losing P1, he's going to have to take it from me. Oh, that's good, man. It was two Red Bulls versus one Mercedes. That's that's what happens. And that was, that was what I said. Uh, numerically, Red Bull has the advantage, but you you have to give it to Mercedes till Red Bull proves they can pull it off. And the opening gambit there alone shows that they were on it. I mean, I even see people in the chat room saying Verstappen was taking advantage of where the safety car was parked to get some extra dry pavement um, off the line. All right, Matt. Look, let's um, let's move on then with more where the race was won and lost. So Max Verstappen is now ahead. Really scarily, just pulls away like a demon gap. Straight away, a big five-second gap. And you think, huh, well... This is it. This is it. Red Bull have got the quickest car. Max Verstappen is ahead. He's going to disappear. But that gap stayed ominously consistent. And then towards of the inter- towards the end of the interspell, it it came down the gap. I think to like two seconds, even less maybe at one point. What was going on? Well, I think you could make. Well, there's lots of arguments. By the time we got to the pit stops, we're talking about because there was the early, um, there was sort of the early safety car. Uh, by the time we get to the pit stops, we were talking about which were around 27, 28, 28, 29, uh, where, where Max and then Lewis came in. Uh, you, they were well into traffic. So I think some of that was probably getting through traffic. But also, uh, and we have this, we've had this argument about Botas so many times versus Hamilton. You know, It's hard to know how much Max was simply looking at that gap and responding to it. Versus like, I'm going to get as far away as I can. And I suspect given the changeable conditions, everybody was very interested in not burning up their tires before the changeover conditions really presented themselves. Uh, that is true. And Sergio Perez, that was he was trying to um, obviously keep pace with the guys up front, was struggling with some kind of steering issue, uh, which we'll get to later. But actually, towards the end of that interstint, Perez was faster than Verstappen because we were watching it on the timing timing screens at home seeing if he could clear that gap Um, and in fact I think Leclerc at one point was even faster than Verstappen so Verstappen could have been 
just desperately holding on to his inters, hoping that he wouldn't have to make a pit stop onto another set of inters. Uh, Catman. Yeah, and I think uh, both of them were managing the gap because Max was trying to uh, make sure he, he had a good gap so he wasn't under pressure. But Lewis, I think also, you could see there was a, a slow-mo on lap 25, I think it was, where they showed both Max's and Lewis's tyres. And Lewis's tyres had more groove on them compared to Max. So I think Lewis already, as soon as he lost turn one, went to plan Z or whatever it was yeah. and said, well, I'm going to go longer than max so he was managing that gap to five seconds he didn't need to be tucked under the wing and losing uh grip and and having to scrub the tires uh and so he was hoping for that one hammer time lap uh and having better tires than max all right matt did i already shoehorn in the perez steering issue thing i did didn't i okay you've made your first excuse okay okay good 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 um tell us the next station where the race was won and lost well you've already brought it up it's going to be these pit stops where Hamilton had effectively gotten within what we would consider undercut range. But we had Vettel out a lap or two earlier on the medium tires, and you could see he was yes. losing one, two, three seconds. So the, the, the deal for those of you who, who weren't aware of it was that sector one was essentially almost still full wets or, or intermediates. And the rest of the track was really pretty dry, but it was almost, there was almost a single dry line through sector one. So it was who's going to bet first? Vettel not having the best of races, having already started from the pits, uh, Aston figured they'd bring him in, chuck him onto some mediums uh, to help stroll out, see see how things were going. And he was he was fast, he was on pace. That's you didn't wait a minute, wait a minute. You didn't just say that Aston Martin used the four time world champion Sebastian Vettel as a guinea pig for Lance Stroll. Absolutely, because they fixed Stroll's car first. Vettel didn't didn't get his car fixed before the start of the race, so he had to start from the pits. And and so he's 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 not in a position to contribute to the points right now. But the but bringing him in early one, if those tires are on, he's making up a massive amount of positions very rapidly. And two, even if they're not, they learn something very useful in terms of Stroll's pit strategy. So they bring him in, and everybody sits up and looks. Vettel uh, Vettel was not fast enough in the first sector to be worth it on that lap yeah so then it was the waiting game between uh hamilton and verstappen because at this point botas was out of the picture perez was out of the picture neither one of them were in the pit stop window and what happened was red bull pulled the trigger first uh lap mm-hmm. 27 yeah so hang and on this... hang on hang on here's what i need to know here's what i need to know because okay all the drama after that pit stop kind of overtook trying to disseminate what had happened there obviously there was a little bit of a slow pit stop with lewis hamilton it wasn't five seconds worth uh, but the gap when hamilton came out was about five seconds so so clearly that undercut had not worked was it mostly down to the fact that verstappen had made the right decision to go on to the medium slicks it was really you would you would you would say it was lewis trying to overcut on max right he didn't yes. follow him into the pits he stayed out the extra lap and bet that he could drive that lap faster than Max could on the medium tires coming out. He did not win that bet. And then Mercedes had a slow stop. And I believe Giovinazzi as well even made it more complicated coming by in the pit lane just as they were getting ready That's to That's right. Him. Lewis got delayed on his release. Uh, Catman, then Alex. Yeah, so I, I think that outlap from Max was was brilliant because the smart money would be on uh, Max to yeah. with those inters on a slightly damp track still to be able to make a fantastic uh, sorry to, but to Lewis still on those inters to make a, a great in lap uh, whilst Max struggled with cold 
dry tires but actually you know max managed to get it going um and was able to to keep that gap even as you said despite the the problems that lewis had i think he still would have come out ahead Yeah, Lewis had Lewis had a good first sector, best first sector of the entire race at that particular point, and then an average middle sector. But he was also relatively slow into the pit box itself. Then they had a sticky front right tire, so his pit stop was four seconds. I didn't catch what Max's pit stop time was, Um, but I think all of that convoluted. I think they would have been much closer. Without those, Max still would have got him, but it would have come out probably status quo when they went into the pits. Long and the short, Matt, is that Red Bull's call was correct Uh, Mercedes kind of defaulted to their normal all right let's wait and see and make the best out of it but I think Red Bull they're normally quite aggressive with their strategy they were again today and and that was the right call yeah well and a lot of times you see people say do the opposite to your rival but in this case I think Mercedes should have been if he because the undercut is super powerful at Imola you could argue Mercedes really should have had him follow follow in and been closer but also, I want to point out that the one other thing Mercedes did not do was change his front wing, which was still damaged. And I'm going to argue may have played a part, a, a small part, in in the uh, loss of traction event he mm-hmm. suffered into Tosa just two laps later. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the problem is, if you follow Max in, you're relying on getting a quick, them getting a, a quicker pit stop. Uh, so... Yeah, I think if you're changing the front wing, then you get a you know you, you're adding on a good few seconds there. So I think that they were still aiming to yeah. get him out in front. So uh, you know they, they had no choice but to to leave that damage going. So I'm I'm not sure about that one, Matt, because it looked like before Hamilton had his little moment that the pace was there to catch Verstappen. So maybe they did make the right call on that. I realised when you said, "Oh, that was the first safety car that we had skipped." A safety car and there's not much of note there except that it gives us the first opportunity to play whose fault is it so nicholas latifi has a little off at aqua minerali i think yep. so yeah the double right hander up the hill very very challenging corner uh imagine taking that in an f1 car in the wet you're braking and turning all at the same time uh, and he slides off that's fine on the rejoin he's going up the hill and Nikita Mazepin is up the inside. They make contact. So we can play the game, whose fault is it? Now, I will emphasize, we're not playing the game, who do you think is the most decent human being out of those two drivers? We're talking about this from a racing point of view. I'm looking around. Is anyone here blaming Mazepin? Nope. Uh, So I'll go to you, Catman. What do you think happened? I mean, Mazepin... I, I will blame Mazapan a little bit because I think he he was sticking his nose in to a ever closing gap. You could see Latifi was coming across. He still kept his foot in it. I think if he was sensible, he would have backed out of that. Uh, okay, I'm I'm not agreeing with that, Alex. I think this is actually reasonably similar to Rosberg Hamilton in 2016 uh, in Barcelona, where Rosberg had that derape issue. Hamilton's coming up the inside. But the the second the car is alongside on a straight, which they were, surely Latifi has to stop moving over. That's my my interpretation of the rules. It's entirely Latifi's fault. I don't want to blame Latifi because it's against Mazepin, but and it will upset Chris because Chris loves Mazepin. But uh, Latifi, Chris, Chris, Chris loves... Stevens, Chris Stevens. Not, wait, not, wait, not wait two Canada. seconds. Let's clarify that Chris Stevens loves Latifi, not Mazepin. Yes, loves because Latifi, they work together, Mazepin. and he says that uh, Latifi is person. very very nice. 
Um, but yeah, Latifi wandered back onto the circuit and didn't look where he was going. Mazepin could really easily have avoided it just by applying the middle pedal um, or the left pedal because I've only got two pedals in these things. Um, but he didn't. But either way, Maz- um, Latifi has just come across the circuit and wiped himself out. I agree. So, so uh, Mazepin was in the right, but there's no point in being in the right when you've got a smashed up car. Yeah. So once again, when we're talking about whose fault it is, Matt, we can talk about who caused the accident the most, who was most to blame. But we can also look at it from a driver point of view. So if you're Mazepin's driver coach, you might have said, live to fight another day, mate. That's that's not the one. Yeah, you would absolutely say that. And in fact, probably he could have gone gone to um, gone to Latifi's inside because he, he had a he had pace on him because Latifi was just rejoining. He probably could have got a chicane. Uh, the Varianta Alta first, if if he'd really put his mind to it. That said, yeah, it's an unsafe rejoin by Latifi. And it was really clear to me from the way Latifi drove that he had no idea Mazepin was there at all. Because, like, what you don't realize about the, I'll just call them the eye holes, because I'm sure that's the technical term, wow. of the Formula One helmets, is they really restrict your peripheral vision. Okay, hang on a minute. I, pretty, pretty I, I got quite a lot of abuse a couple of seasons back for calling race suits coveralls because I used to work in a, way, uh, uh, a workshop. I think, Alex, after him calling it the eye hole of the helmet, I'm off the hook now forever. I wouldn't say forever. But yes, the the um, FOV, the field of view that you get inside a helmet um, with your visor in front of you, yeah, it does limit your vision. However, I think what Mazepin, and I don't want to defend Mazepin, but I kind of have to. Um, the thing you, the thing that Mazepin would have thought was, oh, okay, he's coming over to squeeze me so that I get a bad entry into the chicane. Um, but he didn't probably yeah. expect him to just keep coming across. But also, I don't understand why Latifi would have kept coming across because you have a right-left chicane coming up. So why would you be on the inside? Yeah, it, it seemed like a block that went wrong to me. I think we're, we're all landing on that was uh, Latifi's fault, which is a shame. He was having a reasonable weekend. Williams having a reasonable weekend as well. I'm sure that will come up in any other business. But Matt, uh, we do really need to get to the, the very juicy, meaty part of the race. Thank you for listening to Missed Apex Podcast. This is the bit where I say we are only here with the kind support of our patrons. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex if you want to support us and encourage this kind of behaviour behavior to give us the tools to carry on, uh, the tools to fight with the big boys. Uh, we have a very comparable audience and reach in podcast terms to some of the really big budget, really big, uh, big reach players in the F1 podcast space. We're desperately proud of it, but it is down to the community of patrons we have. So come and join us in our patron Slack group, get our extra content, hang out in the patron-only live stream on a Friday before a race, get an ad-free feed, and get the warm, fuzzy feeling that you're supporting independent content creators. All right, here's the bit where it all went wrong. So Hamilton's chasing down Verstappen. They get to traffic, and it was bizarre, wasn't it, Matt? How how hard it was for both cars to get through the traffic. They were having their own real ding-dong battle a lap down in the midfield. Yeah, well, this is where it gets really interesting uh, in terms of talking about race strategy, because what you had essentially was the question of why on earth did they not pit Botas before Hamilton to take a measure of those tires? 
And the answer would be probably because he was fighting with Stroll. But the end result of it is that both Botas and Stroll pit and come out just in front of Verstappen being chased by Hamilton for the lead of the race. And in fact, it wasn't. It was Botas, Stroll, someone else, Russell, and then maybe somebody else after that. So it was like a whole little train of people stuck behind those two, those two cars on ice cold tires yeah. in the wettest sector of the track. But my, my mind goes back to the olden days where the Ferrari customer teams really were in the pocket of Ferrari. And, you know, you, you, you see the, the Schumacher car coming up against a, a customer team and you go, well, that, that car is going to jump out of the way. And then Schumacher's rival comes across and, and that car is suddenly sideways across apexes. And you look at that chain, Matt, and you go, hey, it's Bottas, it's Russell, it's uh, the Aston Martins. He's good. He'll be all right here. Yeah, well, it was fun to see Max go from a five-second lead to a one-and-a-half-second lead because, again, I remind our listeners, there was a single line through sector one that was dry. And overtaking off of that line was an exceedingly risky proposition. So it, it definitely did Max's lead no favors at all. And I think if Mercedes were being really, really clever, they might have even thought about that a little bit. Alex, your chief hamfosi among us all... This is the second area. In fact, it's the third area that we're going to discuss where Max was better than Lewis Hamilton today. And it hurts me too. It hurts me too, but I'm directing it at you. So off the start line, defending into turn one. Off the start line and defending into turn one, we can lump together the incident into turn one. Probably Hamilton made a mistake, not just backing off. Um, Max, in any case, got the better of him there. This battle, getting through the traffic, was vital. And Max, he did the job, and Lewis didn't. Well. Oh, here we go. <laughs> technically, um, Max struggled through the traffic. He did, yeah. That's why he, that's why he lost four seconds in the space of three corners. Yeah, he didn't, in, Lewis, he didn't in the wall struggle, though, did he? And Lewis honed in on this and was like, right, I need to get past. And, I mean, I saw it from the second he pulled out to take Russell into turn seven. I was like, that's a really wet part of the track, Lewis. And he's just breaking and breaking. And I, to be fair, he was so lucky not to go in the wall properly. I mean, he then drove himself into the wall, but it was just that case of, he just was under, he wasn't under pressure. He was just like, this is my chance to yeah. gain back what I lost in the pit phases to get back onto battling with Verstappen. Because I think at this phase of the Grand Prix, I do think Lewis was quicker. Um, but, he pushed too hard. He maybe thought Russell might have given him an easier time, but he went onto the wet bat, one of the wettest parts of the track on slick tyres, and you just can't do that. All right, let's, let's that. address that in reverse order, saying Russell should have given him uh, an easier time. That didn't have an effect once it got to that corner. You can say Russell should have given him an easier time, given him an easier place to pass, but once we got to that corner, Russell behaved perfectly fine. He stayed on the outside. He didn't try to close the gap. That was all Hamilton on his own going for no, it. No, 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 that's not what I said. Okay. I said I said he he could have said that that Russell could have given him an easy time. He didn't. He actually didn't he didn't he just said misjudgment from me, I was too impatient. And mm. that's exactly what it was. It was impatience. He he saw his opportunity and he wanted a pounce. Unfortunately, on that particular set of track, there, that particular part of the circuit, there wasn't enough grip. He's just slid off and parked himself in a beach. 
Yep. And Russell was never going to go offline to let him past either because he was going to cool his tires down. He would um, have, have got his own problems and lost places in his own battle. So he's not going to move out of the way to let Lewis pass. But where experience came in for Lewis here um, was after not selecting reverse and driving himself into the wall and breaking in front wing. Yeah. Um, he got it into reverse and decided to reverse all the way back onto the circuit. Is that okay? Of, Is that allowed? I wasn't certain. I will be brutally honest. He didn't get penalised for it. it so obviously dodgy. it's fine. He didn't cause any issues for anybody. But the, the reason he reversed backwards was because basically it's like having a front wheel drive car. It's easier to pull yourself out than it is to drive yourself out. If he'd have just gone forward, he'd have just beached himself. So very, very smart thinking at that particular point. I mean, he thought the race was lost anyway. So, So this is actually a great and very important point. Lewis reversed onto the track. That is unsafe potentially unsafe and the reason i think the stewards didn't even bother with it goes back to monaco 2018 when a certain young fireball of a driver max verstappen reversed out of san devot back onto the track and was cleared by the stewards of any wrongdoing as they said there were yellow flags that warned any car entering the corner to be wary of hazards and so what you need to understand is by time Lewis got to the track, our friend George Russell had already collided with Valtteri Bottas and the safety car was already out and called, therefore making Lewis's rejoin by the same uh, bar that Verstappen was judged by safe. Christopher Turner, how, how bizarre was stopping before the wall? And then just voluntarily driving into the... I, I couldn't... I was head in my hands. I just... I couldn't believe it. You go, oh, he stopped it. He's all right. Oh, wait, wait who? What? I, I think he might have had a bit of brain fade there. It reminds me of the, the other incident that also has precedent for this, where Daniel Ricciardo and Kvyat came together at Baku a couple of years ago. And Ricardo just decided to reverse over Kvyat, which uh, was was quite, quite hilarious. But... Um, yeah, he he did manage to to get himself out, which was a miracle, really. I think the problem is, is these cars are difficult to get into reverse. I don't know the process, but it seems like getting them into reverse is difficult. And I think he got it into. I think he thought he was in reverse, went forward, hit the wall, and gone, "Oh crap, I'm not in reverse." And then that's why it took him so long to eventually find reverse. Well, it didn't look amazing, to be fair. There, but it that that should have been him. That should have been him out of the race, out of contention. No way. Lewis Hamilton should finish in second place from there. But the rest of the Mercedes team, all of the Mercedes drivers, all the way up and down the chain, they had a feeling, this tingling, a force. And that force was Toto Wolff's anger and aggression. And they all knew, every Mercedes employee up and down the grid, that they had to do something to please the boss. What can we do? What can we do, Toto, to make this better? And Toto leaned into the radio mat and said, Make it look like an accident. Holy Briatory, Batman. Are you <laughs> suggesting what I think you're suggesting? It's, well, I mean, it was both Mercedes drivers that got involved that saved Lewis Hamilton from, uh, from falling down the grid. Oh, yeah. No, let's be really clear about this. He was lapped. By the time he got to the pits and got back out, he was a lap down. If there wasn't a safety car and the subsequent red flag, his race was absolutely done. So hang on, let's just unpack why he ended up back on the same lap 
in ninth place, or I think it was ninth place. Uh, yeah, it was. I guess he was saved a by the fact that so many cars had already been lapped. So, yes. he, so him being lapped didn't throw him too far down the field. But then, why on the restart does he get that lap back? If it was a safety car restart, the lapped cars would have been allowed to come back through, and I guess he would have been one of the first lapped cars to catch up to the main pack, and actually would have had warm tires and, and a bit of an advantage there. But uh, yeah, it's um, when you talk about a touch of luck, geez, Alex. They did what we've been saying they should do for years, which is they just moved everybody in the timing screens back onto the same lap, which we've been saying for years because there's no point wasting three laps on the safety yeah. car and let the, let the lap drivers through. Um, but are we going to go to the end of the safety car now or should we cover whose fault is it? Let, let's do the safety car period, then we'll do whose fault is it, Matt. They're immediately going to make the argument, which is absolutely correct, is you have a car that will have covered an entire lapse, less distance, therefore having more fuel and an advantage. So... Yeah, they don't burn as much fuel under the safety car, but they send them around for the for the extra lap to make the playing field as fair as possible at the restart. All right. So by whatever, by the by the fates, I don't think there's any Lewis Hamilton favoritism. I think that was the same for everyone. I think that would have happened regardless. A, a shame not to see a standing start, but I'm assuming the rolling start was for safety reasons. But suddenly Lewis Hamilton is in contention, not for the win. The win was gone, but to keep his championship lead... We saw, Matt, his advantage over the non-Red Bull cars there. He still had to race. It was a good fight through the field, but there is that gap, isn't there, between the the Red Bulls, Mercedes, and the rest of the field. And I want to say au contraire, mon frere. He was not out of that race until Max saved it going into Ravazza 1 on the restart, which I will tell you, I looking at it, I'm amazed that he didn't wind up going fully off track or into a wall, given the way he entered that corner. And because it was under safety car, Charles Leclerc just backed up. Charles Leclerc could have taken the lead of that race and legitimately taken the lead of that race because Max half spun. Uh, Matt. Can't overtake before a safety car line one at the can if a car's off the circuit. He wasn't off the circuit, though. Not all the way. He was briefly. Yeah, and then he came back on. Well, okay, well, we should cover then the Perez incident as well because I was I was pretty upset, you guys. I know I hit it really, really well <laughs> in all the chat forums. But so, you know, Perez lost it also under the previous safety car and got a 10-second penalty. Now, I think that somebody just overtaking under the safety car would have got a harsher penalty. I think Perez got away with the very lightest penalty there possible they must have seen some mitigating circumstances. And and for me, the mitigating circumstance is related to what Leclerc did as well. Leclerc's instinct was to slow down and let Max Verstappen go on because that's the order. And they're used to, oh, under the safety car, you keep the, the same order. It's kind of what you do under the formation lap. Two very different situations. But I guess the drivers maybe in their head go, there's no overtaking here. We keep the order. When Perez went off, the McLaren that came through first slowed all the way down. The car behind, a white car, I don't know what car it was, I think it was an Alpha Towery, also slowed down because they didn't want to overtake the McLaren. Perez came back on track. They all slowed down. There was a bit of umming and ahhing, like a three-way roundabout in a mini roundabout in the UK. And then Perez went, oh, oh, they're slowing down for me. I'll carry on and I'll go. So I, I reckon, Matt, that's why it was just a 10-second penalty at the pit stop rather than drive through, stop and go. Yeah, I think it's a pretty standard penalty for for that sort of thing. Uh, What amazes me, though, 
is that uh, Perez race engineer wasn't telling him to not do that thing. Yeah, well, in in the circumstance, I think his instinct was just to come up back on track and and find his place. But the fact that the cars in front were just stopped, I think just some kind of instinctive thing just clicked and he ended up going forward. They didn't tell him to give the place back, but I don't think giving the place back would have saved him from the penalty anyway. No, and and what uh, I know the commentators made the point of, he may have been confusing the... um the start procedure where on the formation lap, if you lose sure. your place, yes. yeah. as long as you regain it by, I, I think it is actually the safety car line, as long as you regain it or by the last turn or whatever, if you regain your position, then you're allowed to retake it. There's different start procedures for different, different contexts. And in this one, he should not have passed people because they were behind the safety car and it wasn't on the lap they were restarting. Accepted. Right. So that brings us back to the fact that Verstappen did hold it. Leclerc did stop and let him uh, made sure that he got back in front for the safety car uh, for the safety car restart. But what we've not done is covered. Whose fault is it? Oh my goodness! Right. Turn one. Turn one and turn two in Imola are are interesting because if you're doing a hot lap, that first little kink to the left doesn't matter at all. It's just a little kink to the left. Make sure you don't touch the grass on the outside. And then you go into turn one proper, if you like. However, when you're wheel to wheel, as me and Alex have done in the F3 at Imola, the the racing line can catch people out. And I'm not going to say, oh, Alex punted me or either way around. This is not the time, Alex. It's not the time to argue whether or not you just wiped me out because you didn't account for the bend in the road. It's, Alex, it's not the time. We've never had a very public iRacing argument ever. <laughs> okay, and it should probably stay that way. Uh, but <laughs> this is exactly the scenario, I think, that George Russell and Valtteri Bottas found themselves in, which is they weren't just going down a straight. They were going down a straight where... <laughs> a straight that bends, but it's a very flat-out turn. They make contact. This is what ends up saving Lewis Hamilton's bacon. So the question is, whose fault is it? And earlier when we were discussing this, Alex, you were the only one, I think, out of us four who was arguing that it was Bottas's fault. I know you've since softened on that and changed your mind, but what initially got you to thinking it was Bottas's fault? So I'd, lo- I'd watched a lot of the onboards, and they were all fast onboards, so I couldn't really tell much from those. Uh, the one that got me was the one from the Alpha Tower, not the Alpha Tower, the Alpha that was behind, um, where... As you see them going to the corner, Bottas doesn't take the quite the tight line that you kind of I kind of expected him to take. I think that spooked what was a very fast George Russell with DRS open and full chat, as he said, about thirty mile an hour faster than Bottas was going, and I think that spooked Russell off the road. Therefore, I think Bottas. Therefore, I thought Bottas had spooked Russell and caused Russell to have the crash. Right. However, post race, um, they did a really good session as as Anthony Davidson always does. Really good segment where he does the um, uh, does the slow mos, and what he actually showed from that slow mo was he showed Bottas was still on the very dry racing line at that point. Yes, he probably could have given more room, but he didn't need to. Russell threw himself at a gap that was there. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, no. blah, 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 as we debunked a couple yeah, yeah, of yeah. weeks ago. Um, yeah, so I think Russell should have seen the gap closing 
and should have backed out. But... Right, okay. Right, this is where I'll I'll go to Catman because call me nuts, but I think the gap never closed. No, I from the onboards from Russell, I think he's got a car width and quite a bit uh, to head into. So I don't think the gap closed. And you can see from uh, where Bottas is going, he's kind of following the pit exit line. And if anything, Jinx slightly left when he realises that George is coming at him like a bat on the outside. What I mean by gap closed is the part of the track that Russell was aiming for was wet. Therefore, <laughs> he might as well have been on the grass. Fair enough. That's um, not that's not for Bottas to uh, to care about. To yeah, that's honest. not his problem. He's um, you know if he's not closing the gap and he's left the cars with, it's not his problem that he's he, he doesn't have to say to Russell, "Oh, you're overtaking me here. Have the best bit of the track to race on." It's a it's a bit like Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo at Monaco, where Lewis stayed on the dry bit of track and Ricciardo nearly hit the wall going on the wet bit of track. Uh, let's go to the live chat room matt it's a pretty good comment here uh from tyler <laughs> it's bottas's fault because he was racing a williams what the hell was he doing there in the first place well that's that if i was going to bring up anything being his fault uh that would be the thing i'd bring up which is why is he racing that car in the first place in a mercedes and the only answer i can come up with is something happened uh between friday and saturday that altered his perception of the rear end of that car because he was fastest on Friday, nowhere on Saturday. And he, according to the radio, it took him to lap 17 to get his tires even working properly, his rears working properly in the race. So he was, he was what, one lap, one lap in, two laps in on brand new tires, whereas the Russell had been out for several laps and had his tires fully operational. So the situation is, Botas knows he's in a faster car. He knows he's just slow right now because his tires aren't up to temperatures. And Russell knows that if I don't get him now, I'm never going to get in front of him. But it, it, he would have been passed eventually anyway, I think. Yeah, uh, Bottas was racing a Williams today, but you might find he's racing in a Williams next year if he's not careful. Oh, kind of savage man. Well, I, I, listening to Toto, though, Catman, he, Toto Wolf seemed to be not so subtly saying George Russell's had a bad day in the office. He is not impressed. He says he might bump him down to the Renault Clio's at some point. Um, but yeah, they, he was saying that uh, George should have paid a lot more attention to the fact that it was a Mercedes that he was overtaking rather than just anybody else. Not, uh, not race-wise, not race-wise, Alex, but career-wise, yes. Well, did you not hear what George said in the interviews afterwards, where he basically said um, Bottas wouldn't have pushed anybody else that tight. He did it because it was me. Okay, so there is there is obviously mm. a very definite fight for those yeah, yeah. two for that seat, and Russell feels he deserves it. And I think if Bottas loses that seat, I think he's out of F one. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. But Matt, maybe George Russell does deserve that seat on merit. However, we've seen a we've seen a real different side of his character there. I think I did say it mid midway through last season that there is an aggressive there is a very forthright and and kind of triggerable temper underneath that the the initial cool facade and i mean we saw that we saw it in the interviews he did not calm down hour an hour after the race post-race interviews he did not calm down if i'm williams person press person i cannot believe he went out there and said that yeah. Oh, I went up to Botas and asked him, was he trying to kill us both? Oh, is that what he said? 
That is what he said uh, on camera okay. multiple times. We can forgive he, a l- little bit of that, Catman, you know, in the moment, but I'm just... I didn't go up... Go on. Sorry, Matt. I didn't go up to see if he was okay. <laughs> I went up to ask him if he was trying to kill me. Okay. Yeah. That, that just like, I mean, of all the obvious things, no matter how angry you are, in the car, screaming in your helmet, once you walk in front of the cameras, it's an entirely different story. Yeah. And, and, and I just, it's the aftermath of this. Because the because they said, oh look, he hit Botas helmet. I mean, yeah, Botas flipped him off, but he hit Botas helmet. He didn't hit Botas helmet. We learned later, but damage done. Most of the people watching the race won't hear me say this. They think Russell went after Botas after causing a huge collision, okay. yep. which my opinion was that's more on Russell than on Botas, and then aggressively attacked him. So the so people people are agreeing with you. And people are agreeing with us in the live chat saying that he needs anger management issues. Catman, yeah. I will say all of us would fail this test. Me, definitely. I cannot keep my temper in a karting or iRacing situation. He's a professional. This is his job. It didn't look great. Yeah, you know, I, I, I flip my lid over far lower things than someone trying to kill me <laughs> at 200 miles an hour. You know, my, my kids are a prime example. But yeah, I don't think George acted unreasonably there. I, I think he he just went out. We've seen it so many times before. Uh, yeah, just decided to tell him what he thought. Alex? George is showing the fire. Sure. That he he thinks he should be in that car already. And I agree. I I. I don't think Bottas belongs in a Mercedes anymore. And I think George Russell is the real deal and he should be up there fighting for this title. Um, And as far as the crash goes and the response, if you have a crash at that kind of speed, your adrenaline is going to be so far through the roof that you, and and especially when you don't think you're wrong um, and you think this guy's tried to kill you, you're going to go at them. So as far as you were saying that George deserves to be in that seat, my concern is that he has shown under pressure a number of times now, Imola last year, Imola this year, in a point scoring position for Williams, which never get any points, he's fluffed it multiple times. So I think, as Toto said, he has a lot to learn. Okay, I think that's fair. That's fair, Matt. Russell fluffed another points position. You know who didn't? Go on. Ocon. Okay, okay. Sorry, right. I'm no, just going to say, no, don't right. forget that Ocon was the other person they're thinking about for this Mercedes okay, seat, but- although the chat room makes the point, and I kind of agree, that they might be wanting to steal Norris from McLaren if they can. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. George Russell is getting that Williams into positions it doesn't deserve to be. He's just not capitalising on those positions. We're not doing George Russell down. But when everyone at the Shakir Grand Prix was going, oh, look, uh, Russell would have won that race. He could easily replace Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, he did really well at the bit of driving the car where the Mercedes is fastest. And he's proved that you give him the fast car, he manages to get ahead. He can drive off and collect the win. He's good at driving a fast car fast. But you don't win a championship by doing the kind of things he did today. And you don't get a drive at corporate behemoth Mercedes. That's the one. By walking on the camera and saying those kinds of things. All right. That's the one. All right. Let's move on. Because uh, in, in the game of won and lost, from that point on, Max Verstappen did everything he needed to do. He absolutely bossed it. Well done to Max Verstappen. Every challenge he faced on Sunday, he passed. He did better than Lewis Hamilton. He won the race in what I will argue is was not the fastest race car on that day. So massive congratulations to Max Verstappen. It's 1-1 and it is game on for the 2021 uh, 2021 season. The next driver down the pecking order that we should probably talk about is Sergio Perez. The fantastic adventures of Sergio Perez. It was all looking so good uh, on the Sunday. And I, I had said on the Patreon podcast and in our Slack group, I had said, look, the expectations for Sergio Perez are already very high now. He's already showed he's got the qualifying pace. Therefore, during the race, he's got to he's got to deliver on that. We're not talking about a, a distant number two driver like Alex Albon. And, oh, well, maybe he can get into a pit window. Maybe he can be fourth place. We're looking at a serious driver who can go and make an impact on a race. That's the bar he set on Saturday. And what I wonder... Matt, is did that result on Saturday make him go, right, This it's arrived, we've got to put, we're now the second place car in Formula One, we've got to push, because I've been watching Sergio Perez for a long time, that was an uncharacteristic Sergio Perez performance, all those mistakes, all that haste, I, 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 it's not the Perez that I want to see or am accustomed to seeing. Right. And I will just start out by saying, I think if this race had been dry, I'm not sure we would have seen all those mistakes. Sure. But well, you know well, who else wasn't. made an uncharacteristic amount of mistakes? Go on. Carlos Sainz. What do they have in common? Oh, they're both at brand new teams and they're racing at one of the most difficult tracks, I think, of the season for the drivers in the wet where they don't have the same margins that they normally do in the dry. And I think it just shows you how hard mm. everybody was really going at this track. Yeah. That okay. You, but but yeah. for Perez, who is normally on the reward side of risk reward, he seemed to be pushing that limit very, very hard. We can, put, we can do a list of drivers who dropped it and drivers who fluffed it in very hard conditions, Catman. That, that's fine. Loads of drivers made mistakes, but loads of drivers aren't in the top two best cars on the grid making multiple multiple mistakes pour off the line pour into turn one i'm saying this from a place of affection please don't hate me perez fans um poor uh on pace initially although he did recover it and uh people are saying that there was a steering issue so there's a power steering issue before the pit stop i believe he had a steering wheel change matt 
Yeah, they did have a steering okay, wheel okay, change. Okay. He had some kind of issue after one of his offs where the steering wheel yeah, was yeah. moving okay, without well, hang his on, input. Hang on. Okay, you've just said it there. One of his offs. So Catman. Yep. There was just too many things going wrong from, from that position. I don't want to be harsh, but I'm disappointed. Absolutely. And it is uncharacteristic of Perez of the last few years. However, you know, the last few years, he has been at a uh, racing point or Force India or wherever he was, where the pressure of having, you know, possibly the best driver in the championship as his teammate, he's having to push that little bit harder. It sounds awfully like he's making the same sort of mistakes he was making at McLaren alongside Jensen Button when the pressure was higher. Oh, don't say that. Race two. Race two, everyone. Don't panic, Alex. It's that Red Bull pressure cooker environment. <laughs> uh, I think it's showing there. But I, th- I, think, I think with this, I think he's putting the pressure on himself more. I don't think Red Bull are putting any pressure on him yet. Um, I, think Re- I think he has said to Red Bull, you give me five or six races before you start judging me on anything. And I think he's now gone, holy crap, I'm on second on yep. the grid. I need to capitalize, capitalize on this. Yeah, yeah. And has fluffed it. Yeah, that's why. That's why I think I fluffed it is fair. People are saying, please don't judge him after two races. I absolutely agree with that. But you know, we're not in the future. We're now, so we can only talk about what we're talking about now, Matt. But yeah, I think Alex has got a point for once. And um, maybe Red Bull were giving him that space, but he's put the pressure on himself because that Saturday result. My goodness, my goodness, did that say Perez has arrived at the front of the 2021 grid? Yes, well, what we saw out of Perez yesterday was the one thing that we never quite got out of Alex Albon, which was, yes, in a qualifying session, I will put it close enough to be a factor in the race. But what we haven't seen Perez do, and arguably it's quite fair, only his second race, we haven't seen him put the whole weekend together yet. I don't think we can ding him too much for that, especially in this car and especially in these conditions. Yes. After all, how did Ricardo do today? Uh, Daniel, could you let Norris by? Because he's like way faster. That's than you. the next. Topic. How did signs do today? You've driven off the of uh, the course nine times, but thankfully there's a red flag and you were close enough to the front, so now you're going to be in position. Vettel. Signs did not make that mistake. Yeah, Vettel. You could point to none of the drivers who've changed teams had a had a good race today as well. Um, yeah. But but. Perez is in the spotlight and his standards are higher. His criteria for a good or bad weekend is higher. But you've brought up Lando Norris. Alex, Lando Norris. My goodness, what a weekend for Lando Norris. Uh, We're going to give Ricardo the same grace we're giving the other new drivers, the other drivers who have switched teams. But that wasn't a little bit of a difference all weekend, was it? It was huge. My boy Lando was on... (laughs) It, um, I haven't got enough superlatives for him this weekend. He didn't make a mistake apart from qualifying, which cost him, which cost him third. But in the race, he was faultless. Actually, I think only him and Ricardo were the only two people in the entire field that didn't have some form of an off at some point. Um, which tells me that McLaren is lovely to drive. Um, but Lando is getting the most out of it and he's growing as a driver. And again, it was still a relatively quiet race from him. Didn't see much from him. Didn't see really do any overtaking, but he was just there and ended up third place. And well, I'm, I couldn't be happier. Well, Christopher Catwan Turner, what we did hear from him was, hey guys, um, going pretty well in this car. I think I'm quite good at driving this race car. Could probably go a bit faster. I mean, if it wasn't for all that dirty air in front, I'm just saying, if it wasn't for the, that, yeah, I could probably, you know, go a bit, go a bit faster. 
Yeah, it wasn't at all subtle, was it? <laughs> Get out my way, man. But uh, no, he he was absolutely awesome. The bit that did it for Lando for me was that final stint on the soft. So the McLaren's strategy to put both of their drivers on the soft tyres for that last stint, which was a long stint on those soft tyres. Um, I thought it initially was a mistake because I was like, there's no way Lando getting the pace that he needs to keep in second or third place on those softs will mean he'll have to pit again. But he he'd realized he wasn't going to get max for the win. He thought, right, I will manage my pace so that I get these softs to the end and defended where he needed to. That final stint was awesome. Absolutely awesome. F1 Mia Ham in the live chat says, uh, Rick might be a bit shell-shocked, Alex. I think he thought he would walk it. Ricardo had to fancy his chances against Lando Norris. Lando Norris is a talent. That's fine. But hey, look at last season. Lando Norris not really laying down the hammer against Carlos Sainz, not dominating Carlos Sainz. If you're Daniel Ricciardo, you go there having comfortably beaten Ocon and you think, yeah, I, I got this. If this is to continue for another few races, Ricciardo is going to worry. I'm waiting for the impending explosion between those two. I know. Bear in mind, bear in mind McLaren is my team <laughs> and Lando and Danny Rick are my two of my favourite drivers there is going to be an explosion between these two. You saw a little bit of it today when Ricardo was saying, oh, I can go faster. Nando's like, yeah, I can too, and pulled six seconds in three Immediately. laps. Uh, it was just like unbelievable. So Danny's like, oh, okay, I haven't quite got the hang of this car yet. <laughs> so yeah, it's this is, this is the team to watch because this is going to explode. Um, and I don't think of a good word, fortunately, for the pair of them. Matt, how real is this McLaren pace? Because they look awesome. I did not think it was as real until I saw them in qualifying yesterday because this is the dead opposite kind of track to Bahrain. They were really nowhere in Friday. And somehow between Friday night and Saturday, they worked it out and they were a serious competitor. If Norris had now he just held the steering lock a little bit more into into turn nine, he was he was sitting second or third on the grid at the start. And he showed clearly once he passed Ricardo, he had the pace. And honestly, had his knee pad not been hitting the shifter, I wonder how many more laps it would have taken Lewis to get round him. I think the defense of Lewis was fantastic. Yeah, he managed to keep behind what was a, which was a much faster car and not lose time. That's the crucial element when it comes to defending, is you can defend from somebody and not lose the time. He knew exactly where to place that car, where and when, and it didn't get Lewis past him. It was only when Lewis got so, so close that the DRS was too powerful, and maybe the DRS was a little bit too powerful today, uh, and that's what and that's what got him through. Uh, Catman, if Lando Norris had kept Leclerc artificially in his DRS window... Maybe Lewis struggles to get past Leclerc. Yeah, because the McLaren did have a very good top speed. So I don't think that Ferrari would have got past him. So, yeah, as you say, maybe uh, maybe Lewis wouldn't have got him. But also it's about deploying the energy in where you, you need it as well. Because I don't think this strategy would have worked on any other circuit where it's easy yes. to overtake at different parts of the circuit. There was one overtaking spot at Imola and it was there. So Lando could use all of his energy and all of his top speed to keep in front down that start finish. I mean, we talked about that, Matt, didn't we, in the Patreon pod, yep. uh, how the strategy was different at a track where you can defend for long periods of the circuit. Yeah, where you can defend and where the straights are short enough that that your Honda and your 
Mercedes power units are going to be deploying energy all the way to the end of them. That changes the calculus significantly. But I know I know we're talking about Norris, but I just got to throw in a quick Ferrari shout. Yeah. Because they, as a team, impressed me. And of all your switched drivers, I'm going to say it's Carlos Sainz <laughs> that managed to be there at the end when the points were toted up. And Carlos Sainz, who I have consistently said is overrated. So yes. am I going to get proved wrong at some point? The it's kind of looking like it. Uh, Alex, then uh, Chris. The thing I'm most impressed with with Carlos was he spun twice and still ended up <laughs> right up there in the point. What? So that shows the pace that Hang he had. Hang on a minute. But- Hang on a minute. That's not impressive. How is that impressive? If there was the another, he, if that was Vettel, re- you'd be sitting here going, oh, he fluffed that, he spun twice, he should have finished second. But he recovered it. So it's really, really interesting. Again, the whole thing that Matt was talking about before, new driver, new car, horrible conditions, horrible track for being a new driver in a new car in horrible conditions. I think Carlos did a great job. However, he's totally trumped by Leclerc. Leclerc did an absolutely wonderful job today. As good, almost as good as Lando did. I think those two... Um, outside of Lewis and um, Max, who are in a completely different league as far as I'm concerned, those two were the absolute class of the field. Totally trumped is a massive overestimation. Carlos is very close to Leclerc, much closer than most people would have given him. In my preseason predictions, I predicted that Carlos would actually be very close, if not uh, beating Leclerc by the end of the season, because Spanners, I totally disagree with you. I think Carlos is a real talent. And, you know, when he was with Max Verstappen, he was not being comprehensively beaten. And we're saying that Max is as good as Lewis. Well, yeah, but the second fastest Red Bull qualifier is not really the gold standard, is it, for for what's fast or what's not? No, I, look, I, I, know, I know I'm not saying that Carlos Sainz is not good. I've just never seen that spark over a season. I've never got on on the hype train and there could be you know alex i tend to i tend to slightly do down when guys are billionaires or sons of racing drivers you know i tend to kind of go the bar for you to impress me is higher so that that could be in fact a factor also yeah i i i've said this to you before i i i think you've done down carlos and i think i do think carlos is fantastic carlos and leclerc are so fantastic i for the first time ever I like both Ferrari drivers, which (laughs) is not something I'm happy about, but I can't help it. They're both really nice guys. They're both super quick. And all we need is that Ferrari to be three or four tenths of a lap quicker. And boy, do we have a title title race on our hands. Okay, well, is it real, Matt? Because I think there, there would have been people out there. If they just jumped in, they might have assumed that Verstappen, Norris and Hamilton were lapping the Ferraris. Well, I think what's real is that on tracks that are not power sensitive, mm-hmm. your Ferraris are going to be there or thereabouts with McLaren between the talent of the drivers and the progress Ferrari has made. But what was clear from Bahrain and even on the straights, we could see once Leclerc lost the DRS, he had zero defense against Hamilton's power unit. Ferrari's power unit isn't quite all the way there relative to the other two. So if Ferrari are going to fill that spot behind McLaren and occasionally give them a hard time, it's going to be on tracks like Hungary, Turkey, not on the big power tracks like Monza. Excellent, guys. What a wonderful race weekend we've had uh, and uh, what a fun time I've had reviewing it with you guys. What is clear is that this is Lewis Hamilton's biggest challenge since Nico Rosberg decided that he was uh, done 
with Formula One. So it is great to see Lewis Hamilton go from a period of relative ease after 2017, 2018, being fought hard by Sebastian Vettel. Arguably, at least one of those seasons should have been a Ferrari championship. Since his main title rival, I think, is has been Valtteri Bottas, it has been relatively easy for Lewis Hamilton. But now he is in a title fight and we have all got front row seats and we get to enjoy it. It is 1-1 with Lewis Hamilton winning the 2021 uh, Drivers' Championship so far only by a single point based on the fastest lap. Now, we have to get a shift on, guys, because at Mr. Apex Podcast, people don't like us going on for a long time, so we do have a strict 60-minute time limit, which means we have to move on to our awards. We have a, a few awards. We have a, a Good Thing Award, which is called... We've never had a good name for it. It's called Good Thing of the Weekend. Then we have the Missed Apex Award. That's a good title because it's named after the show because we're Missed Apex Podcast. And then we have a Pony Award for George Russell. I mean, for any driver, it could be it, literally it could be anyone. Anyone could get the Pony Award, but it's generally for people who are outspoken. Uh, what other awards do we have? Oh, and we have an award for the, the wonderful chat room comments that we have as well called Comment of the Week. So firstly, it's the award that has no theme tune. It is the Good Thing Award. Uh, Catman. Chris Catman Turner, you sometimes hang out on Twitter at CatmanF1. You're in many ways, my least favourite panellist, because you have a life and commitments that stop you doing things. You are a uh, the manager of a, the owner of a veterinary practice. That's so grown up. That's right. And as a grown up, I should probably have a good thing for Thing of the Weekend. Do you not have one? Which, nope. For me, it's Verstappen's outlap on those dry tyres in dodgy <laughs> conditions. I okay. think he managed to save the race, even if Lewis didn't have a dodgy pit stop, he saved his yeah. win from that i am not putting it down to a dodgy lewis pit stop or giovanazzi holding him up at all that was max verstappen's outlap and the red bull tactics calling it at the time uh, and the fact that they are consistently the best pit stop team especially like at the front end of the grid so they know oh we're going for an undercut they have extreme confidence that they're going to pull off a, a one second pit stop and mercedes are like oh we best keep up with that that's the only thing where Williams can give Red Bull a run for their money. Yeah, they probably swap that for not clattering a Mercedes this weekend. Uh, but Catman, uh, you can also be found on our Missed Apex iRacing sessions as well as the second mic to Chris Stevens. While Chris Stevens is shouting and ranting and getting things wrong, you are the voice of reason. You are the Martin Brundle of our, of our uh, Missed Apex iRacing commentary team. You honour me. I, I love commentating on the, the iRacing Championship. It's very, very close. You should all tune into that because it is a wonderful racing series. And you sometimes see Alex Van Jean clattering into spanners. Or just anyone. Uh, Van Jean, you're next. That's very... I can't believe he took a shot at you. I, I thought you were friends. Consider well, he missed the last one where I literally gave a show throughout the entire second race and didn't hit anybody. There was a Van Jean uh, train, wasn't there? Because you found yourself placed well above your talent. I was way above my station. But I, I, it was really funny, actually. I was in that position where I was just like, I know I'm going to go backwards, so I'm just going to give Chris stuff to shout about. So I'm going to fight as hard as I can. Who's your good thing of the Imola Weekend Award going to? It's going to Lewis, but nothing he's done on track. 
Um, it's going to Lewis for his interviews and for his comments to Lando over social media on Saturday night, mm-hmm. where he literally he did the same thing to George Russell last year at Imola, funnily enough, where after a bad result, he tried to pick up the young British talent, which I thought was great. And then in the interviews where I think you'd see other drivers maybe having a moan at a bat marker and different sort of things. He was like, my fault, too impatient, made a mm-hmm. mistake. I'm only human. I will learn from this and move on. Didn't and fess up to Things the... like that that make Lewis the strong driver that he is. Didn't... Is he can now compartmentalize all this stuff and go, right, box that, move on. Didn't fess up to the pulling first gear instead of reverse though, did he? No. Hmm. All right. I, Alex... You've given driver of the day to Lewis Hamilton, even though, like, by all by all the most generous... Good thing, good thing. Not driver of the day. Oh, okay, I said yeah, it was yeah. nothing oh, to do with him yeah, on track. Yeah, yeah. It's all off-track stuff <laughs> I've given him the good thing for. Okay. I had other people. I wanted to say Lando, but I'll give that something okay. else. You give, it, you give Lewis Hamilton your thing of the weekend, even though he stuffed it into a wall. After he had stopped successfully from stationary, a metre away... segment. From stationary, from a metre away from a wall, he still crashed from stopped but anyway you know good good on you matt trumpets uh, who gets your good thing award and sorry for switching to you just as you're about to sip a whiskey my friend i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> i don't drink i'm a teetotaler yeah yeah okay, straight yeah, as okay, a die yeah absolutely now my thing of the week and boy you know there are so many obvious choices we've got max's out lap i'm i'm going with whoever whatever whoever the genius was at McLaren that put them on the soft tires because I am convinced that's why Norris finished in a podium position. I mean, yeah, Norris absolutely kind of deserves it too for making that strategy work. But as far as I can see, McLaren did not put a foot wrong in this race and they are the only team that you can say that for. Uh, the the live chat, by the way, Alex is um, echoing your sentiments about Lewis Hamilton's uh, media stuff. And I have to say, Catman, like, yeah, he really has been a, a community leader as an F1 driver. Sorry, I know people are going to hate me for ham but in the early days, we suffered a lot of immature Hamilton and a lot of slating of, oh, he's a good driver, I just don't like his attitude. But really hard to fault his attitude in the last couple of years. Absolutely. And, you know, he's such a role model for young men and women out there i uh i i sat my son down in front of the tv and we were watching the race he loved it by the way because his favorite drivers <laughs> are max verstappen and lando norris how old how old is little cat boy cat boy is four Ooh, years old and so he watched cute. it start to finish and loved it and i sat him down at the end and said this is how you accept defeat my boy because you're going to be <sighs> defeated at times in your life yes listen to how he takes it first thing he did went over to max and congratulated him and he was magnanimous in defeat. It was wonderful to watch. Uh, and I have to say as well, Max Verstappen, I'm so disappointed because Max Verstappen was supposed to be the baddie. When he came into F1, he was supposed to be the big bad. And his attitude actually does not reflect that. And before the start of the weekend, I was saying, well, I, I don't see any result I'm not going to be happy with. Hamilton, I'm happy with winning. Perez, obviously delighted. Uh, Max Verstappen being in the championship fight. I would have been happy with any of those three winning, Alex. But he's ruined everything because he was supposed to be the bad guy and he's not. He's respectful. He's polite. He's warm. He's funny. He takes defeat on the chin. He's uh, personable in interviews. Very disappointing. 
to be fair, apart from one particular person, and that's not really anything Formula One related, there isn't a big bad in Formula One. I know. We need I'm some at baddies, a point in we? Formula One where I actually pretty much like everybody, bar Mazepin, and I'm not an Alonso fan. Apart from that, I like everybody these days. I, I don't yeah. want to say that because Ferrari are involved in the championship, and I like both their drivers, <laughs> and it's really annoying. <laughs> it's annoying. Ferrari needs some some no bad drivers, don't they? Uh, Maybe that's why I'm so desperate for Daniel Ricciardo to eventually be the bad guy I know he's going to be. So that's the good thing award. It's all a bit positive, really. Let's judge the highest echelons of motorsport from the comfort of our sofas and sheds with the Missed Apex Award. Oh, no, you missed the Apex. Mm, Let's uh, turn some negativity on. Let's turn the negativity tap to overflow. Catman, who are you judging critically this weekend? My missed Apex Award goes to the rookie, Fernando Alonso, (laughs) because he was terrible for a world champion driver this weekend, despite sneaking a point on a technicality at the end with a penalty for a couple of people. So he he snuck a point, but he was miles behind uh, behind Ocon. These are the conditions where your champions, Verstappen, Hamilton, they make the difference. And Alonso was nowhere. Um, Okay. I want to speak on behalf of 40-year-olds everywhere. Firstly, I genuinely don't think 40-year-olds have got any business being in Formula One. Like, I'm 40 and I feel so old. Like, my knees are so sore. Like, fair enough. I'm not like the pinnacle of athletic supremacy or anything. But in a sport where the younger drivers are better than ever, where every generation is best prepared, fitter, stronger, uh, more race honed by the time they get to Formula One. A a driver from the 2000s, from the early 2000s, who is now 40, seems increasingly out of place in Formula One, Catman. I hope I'm proved wrong because I like Alonso. Yeah, tell that to Kimi Raikkonen. I think Alonso is a is a great driver. I think he's fantastic. He's brilliant at turns, whatever he turns his mind to, apart from managing a team and gelling with his teammates. Okay, fair enough. A bad thing award, Van Jean. Alex Jeansy Van Jean. Do you like Van Jean, listeners out there? Do you? Is he one of your favourites? Do you like his face? Do you like seeing his face? Well, you can go to his YouTube channel where you can see his face and him saying things more than on Mr. Apex Podcast. You search for Alex Van Gene. It's spelt weird. V-A-N-G-E-E-N. I didn't stutter. It's a double E. V-A-N-G-E-E-N. Show notes have the links to all of our contributors' links and stuff. Uh, you do YouTubing with flying spaceships, VR stuff, iRacing. It's fine. Go and check it out. If you like Van Gene, you'll like the channel. Who missed the apex for you, Alex? Lewis Hamilton. You can't give... No, that's wildly inconsistent. You're angering me now. Okay, what you gave him... See, the... I gave him the thing of the weekend for the stuff off the circuit. But it's only because the stuff on the circuit was just not Lewis Hamilton. You know, he didn't cover Max at the start of the race, on the, up mm. to turn one. He then tries to go around the outside of Max Verstappen. And... I think most other people would give him the room, but it's Max Verstappen. Yeah. He's not going to give you the Don't room do that. Lewis. Mm. It's not going to happen. Then, I mean, when he came up behind George Russell to lap George and he pulls out his wet pit of circuit, I'm like, why are you there? You're not going to stop. And he didn't. And I mean, he was lucky not to go straight into the wall. So he then drove himself into the wall. Um, 
and redeemed himself in the final part of the race. But it was too late by then. The yeah. race win was on. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It was on for the win. And I think. I, t- I think he was quicker at the max at that point in the race. And I think he could have won the race. And he yeah. blew it. Alex, he had the better race car today. Mm, I, listen, I. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know that Red Bull's super quick. Look how far ahead both of those two were by the time the pit stops came around. They were so far ahead of everybody else. Different category of race car from the pair of them. That's never happened. That hasn't happened for a really long time. So I think it's pretty much dead even. I think they've probably both got better better aspects. But also I think in those conditions when the track is drying out, I think Lewis is superb. Um, Max got really flustered. You could hear it from his radio. He was not happy on the drying track with those intermediate tires. And Lewis was like, well, I'll keep going, whatever. Um, but he fluffed it today and he's cost himself. And if the title comes down to the last race, today is the day that if he loses, is why. Well, if he gets to race 17 and today's the only bad weekend he's had, then that's, I mean, that's still a pretty good season. Matt, do rumpets. I know you hate negativity and you don't want to slate anyone, but it's part of the game. You have to tell us who missed the apex for you at MattPT55 on Twitter, at MattTrumpets on Facebook on the account that we forced you to have and you only post pictures of trumpets on, but it's still worth following. Who missed the apex for you? You know, I've had to think about it. I've got like five different candidates down here. Oh, please. I'm being honest. Tell us all of them. Of Time is limitless. A lot of apexes this weekend. Um, but rather than go for an individual, and there is some evidence to the contrary, but I'm going to have to say Aston. Like they were just, a, I mean, brakes on fire, not dealing with the Vettel situation, getting him ready to go on time losing the sinks to the gear shift. It just, it seems like they are a little bit behind their compatriots in terms of being ready for stuff. And so I'm concerned about that because I will say the, the, the Vettel battle with Perez was amazing to watch. I think the car has potential, but they need to sort out whatever issue they have with their engineering and get on top of it and take advantage of it before they get too far behind to catch up. It's almost like if you photocopy a car and don't understand it completely, you may not get the best out of it. Oh, that being said, what, one of my favourite things of the weekend is watching the Aston mechanics on the grid fixing those brakes. I, I love it. I just All the mechanics, every single one of them up and down the grid are phenomenal. The things that they can do, they can replace bits so fast and just watching them work is an absolute joy. Okay. Uh, I saw someone very cruelly say in one of our forums, apologies, I can't remember the name, uh, that of course it took Aston Martin longer to change the parts because they had to go to Mercedes, ask for a fax, print that out, and then get that very cruel and litigious as well. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, I guess that falls down to me then to do my Missed Apex Award. It's going to go to Yuki Sonoda. I want more. I want more from Yuki Tsunoda. On the one hand, I do respect the attitude of, oh, well, mistakes happen. Let's crack on. Uh, Let's learn from our mistakes. Let's make mistakes so that you can learn a bunch. Mm, On the other hand, he's pretty aggressive. (laughs) He drives really aggressively. He's really aggressive on the team radio as well. There is definitely not a single centimetre of, 
uh, I'm a rookie. I'm going to sit here and pay my dues. That's fine. I'm not saying he should. Uh, but he's straight on the team radio to the senior Red Bull driver. Perez, what the hell is he thinking? What is he doing? He doesn't care. What an idiot. Everyone's an idiot. Everyone's stupid. Oh, oh I've crashed into turn one. So, OK, be vocal, be aggressive, go for it. Full send. Do it, but also concentrate on what you're doing because he stuffed qualifying uh, and he stuffed it in the race as well, Catman. Absolutely. But, you know, you were talking about the swearing on the radio thing. Well, all he's done is he's done what every young kid who's learning a new language does. And as soon as they start getting the first few lessons, they go to the dictionary and try and find (laughs) the swear words, don't they? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, But I just I, I think there's so much potential there. Maybe we look back in three years and we go, oh, we saw this with the wild, fiery Lewis Hamilton post the championship. We saw this with Max Verstappen racing really, really hard wheel to wheel in the Toro Rosso. Maybe we'll look back at Yuki and go, okay, it was there. He just needed to settle down. Yep, because don't forget back in the 90s, they were about 40 when they got to Formula One. Yeah. So these young hotheads, you know, they they needed, <laughs> they haven't got anywhere to cut their teeth. So they have to do it in the in the lower echelons and start pummeling into each other. And that's uh, what happens. It's a fair point about the language. I think we're so used to in Europe, English being ubiquitous. So, you know, if you get a, a Danish driver come over to Europe, you just assume he can speak perfect English, the same with the Dutch and the, the, and the Belgians and the Germans as well. Uh, in Japan, I don't think... Well, in fact, in their region, you know, the other countries around there learn Japanese in the same way as Europeans will learn English as a standard. So, yes, may have been being unfair there. Looking forward to seeing what Yuki Tsunoda can do. Uh, we have another award. wonder who get this. I mean, it could be anyone. We could say Yuki for some of those comments, but I think we will spend a lot of time giving him pony awards if that's the bar we judge Sonoda on. Any Anyone else? Anyone got any candidates? Oh, all the hands have gone up. Uh, let's go for Matt to Rumpet. And I know I'm not going to take anybody else's away by saying our friend Otmar Safnauer at Aston Martin suggesting that they might decide to sue the FIA because they don't like the rules change now that they've had to actually deal with them. It was, I mean, just, if you wanted to write a cartoon villain of a rich person complaining about things they should really not complain about, you're just going to wind up sending your subordinate out there to say the words for you. And I think that's where we were with Aston this week. I think, I think, Larry has realized that saying it himself makes him look bad. So now he's making Otmar do the dirty mm-hmm. work for him. And really what they need to be doing is just getting their house in order because they have a good car. They have good drivers and they can be competitive. Say get two, your head down, get it done like Mercedes. I say two things. A, we, we spoke about this in detail uh, about Lawrence Stroll and him taking that sort of business killer attitude into F1 and how it seems a little bit off, um, off, uh, off kilter in a, a sport where it's kind of a level playing field. He's still thinking he can be Lawrence Stroll and assert his power and dominance. Maybe it'll work, but it seems odd. Um, I'm mentioning it because it's in the Patreon podcast and the Patreon stream, which I'd love you to be a part of, www.patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. I will stress it isn't premium content behind a paywall, 
but it is me and Matt talking where there's a little bit less pressure on us to produce good content. So that's your reward for being a patron is that you get significantly worse content. Uh, however, there's a slightly different tone to it. And we had loads of callers as well, Matt. We had loads of our patrons join us on Zoom and speak to us with varying levels of success. And some patrons who misunderstood and thought they had to join the Zoom call instead of watching it on uh, on YouTube. And we just made them part of the show anyway, which was amazing. I loved that. Well, that's just because they're used to going to Joe's audiences that's the that one. you host. Yes, and there will be some more live audiences with Joe coming up. Alex, do you have any uh, Pony Awards, possibly? Yeah. Lewis Hamilton. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the once a year that you make me laugh. <laughs> um, it's it's unfortunately have to be my boy, George. Yeah. Um, when you're wanting to be in a Mercedes, you can't hit the Mercedes and then shout at the guy in the Mercedes and then continue to shout to every single news reporter that will then listen to you for the remainder of the yeah. race. <laughs> uh, sorry, Jay. Nope, that's fair, and we've covered that uh, quite extensively. I'm going to give a slightly light-hearted one to Lando Norris for, guys, my clutch is slipping. This is horrendous. You need to fix something. Yeah, you're hitting it with your knee. Oh, right, okay. No, fine. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just carry on then. Uh, so assuming that that is our ponies out of the way, let's move on to our final award before we get out of here, and that is... Comment of the week. We love our patrons, but we love our live chat as well. Thank you so much to the guys who, who join us in real time. We have had 3,500 people join us today. Our, our highest peak audience is 901 people. So far, that is an incredible thing to be able to do. It's an absolute honor to not only produce this content and have maybe 30,000 people consuming our race reviews overall, but to have a thousand people live in front of us, watching us, warts and all, with the potential to make mistakes and to end our careers live on the mic late at night with a whiskey, a gin and tonic, a cheeky rum, or a beer is wonderfully gratifying. Matt, which one of these? commenters has won that prestigious award well presumably you would like me to read a few contenders first do you know what matt what i want out of comment of the week and what routinely happens are two very different things and like my marriage i'm just settling with what i've got and i'm i'm plumbing for an easy life fair enough we will start with bruce seagal so the sprinkler idea is a go yeah, regarding not bad. the rain and the race. I mean, not bad. We do we do always love it when it's changeable, but it's special because it's rare. If it was every race, the teams would just adapt to it. Next up is Maria Antero with Does It Mean Helmets Are Head Holes? Because <laughs> there's a after hole my... in the bottom to put your head into. Yeah. Head yeah which after my brilliant characterization of eye holes. So, of I, eye I holes. think we, Matt, we used to do this show and think that we were an authority on stuff. And then we invited a bunch of st- people to join us who knew about racing and karting and coveralls and stuff. And then we realized we were slow at racing, rubbish at sim racing, and we didn't know what anything was called. We need to stop being bullied by them. If you want to call them eye holes and head holes in a helmet, you crack on. Absolutely. Uh, I've got uh, about three more to go. Mikey, pass the duchy on the left-hand side. Love it in reference to Lewis and Max at the start. That is a drug reference, and that will have no truck here. Nothke with execute order 77 regarding our uh, tinfoil conspiracy theory. Oh, God, I love that. But thing is, obviously it's not true, 
But the literally the only way you could save yeah. Lewis Hamilton in that situation is to have your two other contracted drivers crash into each other and cause a red flag. Not, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. I'm not saying it's Toto, but it's Toto. It kind of sort of. And finally, I'm going to wind up with Darren Hogg, who says Vettel should call his car Karen I, because of the amount of complaining. Oh, I don't. I, yeah. or, or Jeff. Jeff's complained as well, Cameron. Or Jeff. Yeah. But he always names them after uh, ladies. Mm-hmm. Can I add one uh, from Stuart Neal, who said MAP karting event is the pinnacle of racing? <laughs> well, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, Matt, I think uh, I think the Toto one, the code something something, the aliens one. Oh, you, you like execute yeah. order seventy seven for the winner? Yeah, who said that? That would be Nothki. Thank you very much. Read it again, and that would be Nothki with execute order seventy seven, followed by a fist banging. <laughs> Absolutely, make it look like an accident. Uh, that was Mr. Apex Podcasts review of the. It's not the San Marino Grand Prix, is it? The Imola Grand Prix. Please follow my panel on Twitter at Alex Van Gene V A N G E E N. Follow Catman at CatmanF1. He's a real vet. Matt at MattPT55. And his wife sells books at A Weaver Writes. She also tweets very interesting and forthright things as well. You can follow the show at Missed Apex F1. And all the links to anything that we've mentioned today or the links to support us are in your show notes on YouTube or on your podcast app. Make sure you subscribe and like Anything that you are watching or listening to, leave us an iTunes review if you can. We've got some great content planned between now and the next race. We have tech segments, interesting guests. Let's see if we can get Uncle Joe in the shed, ex-Lotus CEO Matthew Carter, and lots of our F1 media friends as well. Wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Miss Apex Podcast. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, I just, I want F1 to win. I think F1 was the winner today. <laughs> no, I don't mind that everything went wrong for Perez or that Lewis stuffed it. No, I, honestly, I'm a fan of the sport more than anything. Okay, guys, we're off air. That was a disaster. Oh, my God. It was the worst ever. Why is Max winning stuff now? Oh, my God. Oh, it's, it's just tragic. Although we didn't mention it on the show but the fact that lewis stole fast lap and leads by one point in the championship is it's just like oh i i just it's gonna be the best season imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.